please feel free to grab a seat where you are. Hopefully, if you can, even try and slide underneath the fan. I know the weather's been crazy uh, this afternoon. But we really want to welcome uh, you tonight. If this is your first time popping into Beyond, a big g'day. My name's Riley. I'm part of the leadership team here at Beyond. And, and tonight, things are going absolutely off. In fact, things have been flicking off at some stage of the night, but we've got it all back in order right now. But just so you know, we've had a little bit of audio glitches every now and then this afternoon. So if anything doesn't sound right at any stage... It's got nothing on our musos. This storm's causing a little bit of havoc. But other than that, we should have an absolutely fantastic night. We're in full uh, control. But, but we really want to thank you for coming out tonight and weathering this storm with us. Uh, you probably might have got an invite tonight uh, via the social media page. Maybe you got one of those flies flicked on from your friend. Maybe your friend told you you had to come tonight, and that is why you're here. Or maybe you heard about the WWs, the wedges and waffles, and that immediately drew you in. Whatever the occasion, we thank you very much for coming in for our Friendsgiving service. And the benefit of our Friendsgiving service tonight is that it's actually a one-off message. So that means we, we normally uh, like to do this thing here at Beyond where we would unpack an idea over uh, stages of series or different parts and break them down into uh, smaller parts to create a bigger series. But tonight it's a one-off, uh, it's a banger straight off the bat, which means you don't need to know anything about what was going on over the last couple of weeks. You can come in with a clear mind this afternoon. In fact, you can come in with a little bit of experience yourselves and engage uh, with the conversation we're having this afternoon because it's about something that you might know a fair bit about. In fact, it's about something that definitely relates to you, even within the context of tonight. Because this idea of friends is something uh, that might be a little bit trivial, trivial in your head. You might have a lot of people in your life that you would call a friend. In fact, even if you look at the person sitting next to you right now that you might have invited tonight, you might have noticed that they're almost wearing exactly the same clothing as you. Or maybe they're actually wearing exactly the same hair product as you. i got no idea what's going on. For you, maybe you might actually realize within your small group of people you have in your life, just maybe three friends, you almost make up all three of them in one person. That the people you hang out with take up so much time in your life, actually invest in you so much that you almost become one of them at times. And I can understand uh, there might be different types of friends in your life. You might have one of those friends that always rocks up to your place half an hour after they told you they were going to get there. You might have one of those friends in your life that always offers to pay for coffee but never actually uh, pays up when the time is due. You might have one of those friends that seemingly can just walk into your house and eat your entire fridge in one sitting, walk out within the next 15 minutes. I don't know what type of friends you have going on in your life, but I can tell you right now that one of the things I've always been interested by is how friends actually become friends. I mean, is there an actual criteria? Is there an actual origin story to these friendships? Because if I was to pull it back to the days of prep, I think in preschool was when we were most cold-hearted about friends. We would run around the playground and ask people, can I be your friend? And if someone said yes, best day ever. If someone said no, worst day ever. Even if you offered them a stick, still, they would say no, Worst day ever. See, even from prep to the position we are in right now in your life, you seemingly can't just walk up to someone these days and ask to be their friend. However, we can do it in a way that breaks the tension a little bit. Oddly enough, even if we flick them a friend request through Facebook or if we chuck them a follow on Instagram, it's pretty much uh, deserving that you should get a follow back. It's pretty much accepted that they should accept your friend request. We still have this craving for friends. We still have this craving for network and this connection in our life. But what is it? What is it about 
friends and why are people our friends are friends just this thing that are there in our life for friends actually something that come into our life on purpose and to draw you into what we're going to be talking about this afternoon uh, and to cut at this tension of why uh, we actually need to have friends in our life i want to run you through a little bit of a story about my own friends but before I do that, I need to bring you back into when I was in grade 12. So this was two years ago, and I need to build, uh, bring you in to the build-up of the hype of grade 12 formal. See, grade 12 formal, uh, in some people's mind, not a big deal. In guys' mind, not a big deal at all. I mean, all you need is a suit. You're pretty much ready. You're ready to rumble. For me, however, this is my Cinderella ball. This is what I'd been waiting for since prep. I knew grade 12 formal night was going to be my night. This is going to be my big thing. And I knew the girl I was going to take as well. It was all set up. In fact, I had gone uh, through and made time to actually write down every note as to how I was going to ask her to formal. I had a Pokemon ball ready. I knew where I was going to do it. I was going to do the whole I choose you thing. It was all set up and it was all building up to this Friday. And I was pumped. I was pumped, I was nervous, there was this little bit of, oh, what's she going to say, what, what, what's going to happen next, I didn't really know what to expect, but I was feeling pretty good about it. And my mate, Aaron, he, he was going to ask this girl on the same day that things were going to work out brilliantly, it was Valentine's Day, things were going to work out really well. I get to school and I'm ready, it is lunchtime and everything is prepped, the room is prepped, the music is prepped with Brian McFadden like only a woman can, this is going to go beautifully. I know how it's going to work out. But as I am walking to this room that I've set up, I'm walking out to go get one of my mates to collect the girl I'm going to ask. I say to him, mate, can you, can you please go grab her and just tell her to meet me in this room? I find out that she has already been asked to formal. And um, <laughs> it's kind of the first time in my life I've, I've ever really, really felt friend-zoned without actually asking someone to like, you know, be my girlfriend or marry them. I really felt this massive pushback. All of a sudden, I was just bopped into this space where I was like the reject sitting outside of everything. I was pushed outside of the circle. I was no longer connected in. The whole idea of formal in my head was going to an absolute sham because I could no longer take the girl I really wanted to take to formal. And I was out in this circle. So who do I go to? I go to my mate, Aaron. And with the Pokemon ball in my hand, I give it to him and I I say, well, mate, I guess I, guess I choose you. <laughs> and you know what he says back? He puts a hand on my shoulder and he says, mate, I got done too. And someone had actually beaten him to asking his formal date on the same day at the same time. And all of a sudden, the little bit of sadness on our face just turned into a little bit of a smirk. And we knew there was one thing we had to do. To, to, to kind of uh, get over the afternoon. So we went to the best beach on the coast, Sutton's Beach out at Redcliffe. Best waves ever. We sat down at Sutton's Beach uh, and we sat down on the, on the beach as the moon was coming up. And as we're there, we're sitting there and we're just, just talking, just doing what mates do, just spending time together with, with earphones in our ear. And of course, we're listening to only the appropriate music you listen to after you get rejected from a formal date, Brian McFadden, like only a woman can. And we watch as we see this guy actually propose to his girlfriend in front of us on Valentine's Day down at the beach. It was this massive falafel. Anyway, we got to the point where after we listened to Brian, things were going pear-shaped. We, we had to get home. We had to recover at some stage. But there are times in our life where you just got to think, we just need friends in this moment. And it was seemingly in this one spot 
uh, in this one moment in my life that I actually needed my mate Aaron the most. But the reason we were so well connected together is because we actually shared a similar experience. We shared this similar feeling of being heard. In fact, we shared this uh, feeling of being friend-zoned by these two girls. And I can tell you, formal went great uh, when Aaron and I got a fantastic photo together. Everything went fine. Uh, But to, to break down this idea, this idea of what do we actually see in people that makes them this, this friend material? What is it that we actually see in people that make them our friends? What is it? Because obviously we can say in life there are a lot of people on our social media feed. There are a lot of people on Instagram that follow us. There are a lot of people on Facebook that say uh, they are our friends. Or Facebook says all 854 of them are your friends. But which one of them are truly the friends that you need in your life? What do we see in people that don't just make them people in our life, but actual friends? And to unpack this this afternoon... I want to bring you uh, into this book called Proverbs. It's written by a guy called Solomon. And Solomon, uh, he is a wise dude. In fact, uh, King Solomon actually ruled over Israel well before the time of this guy that you might have heard before walking into a church called Jesus. And before you push back and you're like, whoa, 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 here we go, we're jumping to the Bible now, I really want to bring you into the story of of how uh, this Solomon guy writes. Because how he writes isn't to just give facts It isn't to give evidence, but more so to bring you into the way people actually lived in this time that early uh, century Jews were around and how they actually built this idea of community. Because Solomon's big thing was with his gift of wisdom, he wanted to impart it on the community. He wanted to impart it onto common people and even people in his life that he knew already had a certain wisdom, who knew uh, that they already had a certain faith to actually build upon it. So pretty much as I bring you uh, into this story that is authored by a guy that's that's pretty much an old school Yoda, that's really who King Solomon was, I want to bring you in to see and investigate alongside of you as what actually makes people friend material. See, Solomon draws upon this point in Proverbs 17, verse 17, that a friend, straight off the bat, he uses the word friend, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, as we look at Proverbs, straight up, you might be thinking, this kind of sounds like something I'd find in a fortune cookie if I was to dine in on some fried rice and some sweet and sour pork. Riley, this is kind of sounding like something I'd find there. Or or maybe this is kind of a quote I'd see come up on my Instagram feed that a friend uh, is meant to be there to love at all times. It's that thing I'm meant to see on Instagram with a hashtag inspo on it or a throwback Thursday in a childhood photo. This seems to where this seems to be where this quote should be popping up. It should be more of an inspiration thing. But to give you context into how Solomon is actually writing and what he's actually saying, we first need to understand the culture in which he wrote. You see, uh, for early century Jews, they had a very family-oriented view, a very family-fixated community. Your family relationships were a number one priority. For these guys' heritage, uh, lineage, it would have been a massive deal. These guys would have been frothing over Ancestry.com. That's what they would have been all about. They would have loved it. They would have soaked it up because kingship was a big deal. 
People would have a buttload of children. They were, they were about community living and upkeeping tradition. In fact, on each early Jews' land would actually be the family tomb where people would know that they would be buried before they had even died. That's how much family meant. So for early Jews, our family was prioritized first. That was the first relationship to be prioritized across the board. The market to invest time into was family. Family was the relationship to prioritize first, which is odd because when you compare it uh, to the context and the culture that we live in today, really, what relationship do we focus on the most in the world that we live in? See, it would be nice to say it's family. It would be nice to say it's friendship as well. But what is the relationships that we actually focus in on the most within within the culture context in which we live because you'd only have to jump onto your social media scroll through your facebook look at your instagram even jump on 9msn or look at the news or look at tv shows that come up in the morning and the afternoon to find that the relationships that have been talking uh, that are talked about the most are about who's dating who who's having whose child who's getting around with who a review on a movie uh, that is fixated upon who cheated with that other person Uh, who is actually writing a song about how they got away from a relationship that they didn't want to invest in anymore, who's sleeping around at a societal level, a relationship that is number one on our list seems to be these relationships about dramatic romances. And it's not dramatic romances that you'd see in a Dickens book or a classic novel, but romances that are fixated by this erotic sense of love, this stimulating romance. And it does well within our society because we can buy into it. People buy into it and invest time thinking and trying to achieve it. See, a song about a friendship or a song about a family in our cultural context will never beat a saucy R&B banger about going to the club the night before. It just won't. It will never hit number one. And even if we look at the TV show Friends, listen, I love Joey, but, but Friends is more about who's with who, then it's about the friendship that they have together. See, even if we look at one of the best bromances of all time, if we look to the movie of Lord of the Rings and we see Sam and Frodo together, if you have read the book, you would know that it's a fantastic story. It's all about these two characters and the friendship they share with other people as they jump around and beat orcs in community. And then at the end, in the appendices, that's where all the romance and love stuff in. But at the end of the day, Hollywood jumped on the romance and love stuff and they pulled it out because they knew that in a movie setting, in a movie structure, it would sell. So you see, running parallel to the times of Solomon, whilst we could say our culture invests in these exciting relationship romances, the early Jews put their family first, which makes it all the stranger to think that Solomon is actually calling out A friend is more necessary than a sibling, more necessary than a brother, more necessary than a sister. That a friend is more necessary than someone that's actually connected to you by blood. I mean, we're talking about a family-orientated, traditional culture. And Solomon says that a friend in many ways is better than a sibling. A friend brings in your life something that a sibling can not. That a family will be there for you in times when, when things aren't going well. 
That family really should be there in times when challenges are in place or when you're in times of adversity. And I can be my, the first one to put my hand up and say, listen, this morning, I can honestly say this, this verse connected to me because my sister saved me in a moment of complete vulnerability. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but if you've ever experienced being at home and thinking you are by yourself when you have no toilet paper left and you are sitting on the toilet, that is the most vulnerable state you can ever be in in your life potentially when you are at home. And it only took me to open the door a little bit and say, Rihanna, Rihanna, you there? Yes, Riley, just toilet paper would be great. If you were saved by your sibling in that matter, that is an instant biological connection. That is a brother and sister tick off the list. And this is what Solomon is saying. Solomon is actually saying that the relationship that you have with a friend, a friend that loves at all times, can actually be better than the connection you have with a brother or or sister, a connection that you have with a member of your family. And whether you're churched or, or, or someone that wouldn't consider themselves a churched person, you might say straight away that your connection to your siblings is actually greater than that or you, of your friends. Or maybe for you, you might actually say that, that your connection to your friends is actually a stronger relationship than that that you have with your brother or your sister or somebody in your family. I get the fact that you couldn't really choose your family. I get that that's more of a mum and dad decision. But knowing what we know, that you've been forced to put up with them for this certain amount of time, there is actually this biological connection to look after one another. But a friend, Solomon writes, a friend comes to you when you're going through the worst, not necessarily because they live under the same roof as you, not necessarily because they have the same last name as you, but a friend chooses to come to you. And a friend loves at all time. And, and maybe for you right now, you're thinking, listen, Riley, listen, I've actually got, I've got a real network of friends. In fact, I have a buttload of friends. If we're going to talk in measurements of buttloads, I've got big buttloads of them. My friends are out there. They're in my workplace. I have friends that I can go to uh, at work that actually need me. And I'm traveling pretty well in terms of friends on Facebook. Things are going okay there. At work, I respect people. People respect me. I can have banter with people. At uni, we laugh. It's good. Riley, people always want me on site to help with projects. They want me to help with tasks. They're useful to me to get things done at school, at uni, at work. And if someone asks how I knew them, at times, yes, I'd probably call them a friend. Or maybe I call them more of an acquaintance. Or maybe uh, some of them I wouldn't actually really call friends at all. They're just people that are at the environment that I work in. Or they're people in the environment that I study in. And here's the thing, because we are attracted to each other's strengths at time. And I'm not here to challenge that. There are some people in our lives that will be useful to us and some people that would consider you useful to them. But friends... And the way that Solomon writes about them within the cultural context of his time, remember, he's saying they are better than a brother or a sister, can actually give us an insight into uh, what it actually looks like to be connected to other people. Solomon can give us this insight as to what it actually means to have a deep connection with other people in our own cultural context today. And why we actually need people in our life. Because Solomon goes on to say, and he expands on his idea. Actually says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That, yes, a lot of us have a network of people in life that, that we can email, 
that we can send messages to when we need something from them. Some are useful uh, when we want to have a good time. Some are useful to meet other people. Some people are useful as fashion advice, as gift shopping. Some are great at getting things done or or fixing the DIY project uh, before your wife gets home. Some friends are useful to us in life. And this is where Solomon draws the line. Because if we can say that some people's strengths are useful to us and sometimes our own strengths are useful to others, Solomon draws the line at what happens when we end up in a ruin. What happens when we get caught out in life and all of a sudden it just gets that little bit messy? In fact, it starts snowballing. What happens when things collapse? What happens when our strength can't counter it? When we aren't at our strongest? Who do we go to and what do we do next? Who do we go to when we need support, not with with tasks or projects, not with things, but when we need someone to talk to when we are confused, when we don't actually know what's going to happen next? Who do you go to when things just seem to not be adding up and plans didn't go the way they were meant to? When you get caught out in study and all of a sudden the course that you thought that you really wanted to be doing maybe isn't the course that's actually for you and you get frustrated. Who do you go to when in the workplace the people you are working with seemingly too difficult to work alongside of? Who do you go to when there are actually people in your life, even potentially family members that are actually suffering from health issues and actually seeing them in pain causes you to hurt as well? Who do you go to to actually talk these things through with? Because at the end of the day, any companion, as Solomon is saying, any companion can say a nice gesture, that leads with a uh, call me if you need anything. If I can give you a hand, just shoot me a message. But you see a friend, a friend is there. A friend makes a deliberate choice to be there for you. Rather than what uh, do I need from them, it's about who do I need. See, we know what it's like uh, to have someone tell us what we're thinking in our own head at times. The things that we get caught out in when we're by ourselves, when we're trying to fix a problem by ourselves, we know what it's like in our own head to think that what we're actually thinking is a stupid thought. Or maybe it actually takes somebody else to step in and tell us that it's not a stupid idea. And a friend is there at all times. And as much as some of us can actually push back on allowing people to step into our lives at times, we know that sometimes we actually really just need someone that can listen to us. Solomon goes on to unpack this, this idea of why we actually need friends in our life, why we need people. And in his takeaway point, he writes, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And this is Solomon's call for connection. But to grow into who we were made uh, to be, we actually need to be in contact with other people. A blunt sword is pretty useless on its own. The only way you can make it purposeful is by sharpening it alongside another. See, there's no point in sharpening it once, though. If you want the best dang Excalibur sword ever, you need to make sure that there's another and that it can have contact with it at all times. Because if we aren't connected to people, if we are lacking that Friend, we can find ourselves losing intention and losing meaning in what we do and why we do it. You see, when we are in a time of feeling weak, it is easy to try and fix the problems by ourselves. It is easy to try and draw strength 
from ourselves. In fact, it's even easier to disconnect from others to help us fix the problem. Because disconnection is easy for us. Disconnection is convenient. See, when we push our friends to the side, we're actually disconnected from people. We can't find ourselves, uh, we kind of find ourselves trying to analyze our own problems. The stresses, the worries, the concerns. Uh, And all of a sudden we have this tunnel vision about how we're going to get out of the tunnel. In fact, we sit so closely looking at the problem, we become so drawn into it that we actually are absorbed by our worries. We're absorbed by our stresses and we're absorbed by our problems. To the point that we don't even know if what we're doing and what we're thinking and what we're saying is actually right or wrong. And disconnection is easy. You don't need to be a follower of Jesus to know that. You don't need to be a follower of Jesus to know that when times are tough, that it's easier to live life through a phone. You don't need to be a follower of Jesus to know that after a bad day of work, it's much easier just to drive home, pull up into your garage and jump into your bat cave, not talk to anyone, but sit by yourself and try and process everything that happened in the day. It is easy to disconnect from people. And in fact, we can actually say it is easy to see how people become and when people are disconnected. In fact, in our heads, it might even shoot off as a little bit of an alert when people become disconnected. I'll tell you what, you probably only ever have to see one horror movie in your life to know what it looks like to be disconnected from other people. Because in every cliche horror movie, there is always some big party going on and there is always one person in that party, most of the time it is a girl and most of the time she is blonde, that will be walking around and she's so not engaged with anything that's going on that as she walks outside into the dark, she's just floating around with the fairies. Everything's going, everything's going. And you know as you're watching the movie, you're like, don't go outside. The last place you want to go is outside, the killer. The killer is always outside. You will die outside. If you go outside, you will die. And she's still going because she's at like Byron Bay Music Festival and everything's going really well. And she's going around. She's disconnected. She's got no idea what she's doing. And in your head, you're like, no, disconnect. you are disconnected from everyone else. You need to get more people around you. You need to be around people or else bad things are going to happen. You are going to get killed. And she's still going and she dies. That is every horror movie to a T. In fact, you don't need to even watch a horror movie ever again in your life because that is what will happen every time. Because we can tell when people are disconnected, alerts go off in our head. Disconnection is not something that is necessarily healthy for us but it is easy for us to do. So it is actually difficult at times to actually disconnect from someone when you can see that they are lost, when you can see that they are hurting. It is difficult to disconnect from someone who is struggling, from someone who experiences the same feelings and emotions you experience when you are at your lowest of lows. It's not difficult to actually see that people are disconnected when there are people in our lives who are intentionally trying to connect with us. We find ourselves in relationships that can actually grow us and grow others. As iron sharpens iron, people can build people. So we actually find strength when we connect with people through our weaknesses. The only thing is, where, where you're sitting right now, when you step into church on a Sunday, if you're someone who pops in a fair bit, or even if you're someone who hasn't came in before, maybe this is something that you've already noticed from your past experiences, but where you're sitting right now 
in a row. You will never have an experience to actually share a real, authentic connection with somebody else. Because rows are ever really connected to, to let you look forward. And really from where you are, you can only ever look forward at the back of somebody's head or turn your head and see the side of somebody's face. You see, rows aren't made for connections. We can't guarantee that you're going to have an experience with someone where you can make friends with them when you come to church on a Sunday and you sit in a row. Because seemingly, rows don't know. And I know that kind of sounds morbid and depressing as we, as we look at it a little bit more. But you would know that within a church, a church is not just about the building. It's not just about stepping on a welcome mat and coming through the door. But the church is actually about the people inside of it. The church is founded on community. So in order to make sure that, that you leave tonight knowing what, what it's actually about, we want to put you into a spot where we can actually add value to you. And to do that, I want to run you through just a quick takeaway point for tonight. If something you're actually interested in doing is actually finding a way to connect in with other people, if something that you are engaged and looking at doing is actually try and finding a way in your life that you can have a network of people that can pour into you so you can go away and pour into others. If you are looking at trying to be a friend for somebody else, we want to put you in the best spot to do that so you can add value to other people. And to do that, uh, we actually do this thing at Beyond, and it's called Four Monday. Because we believe, what's the point on coming to church on a Sunday if it's not going to change you? It's not going to impact you for Monday. So this week's for Monday. And I'd love to invite you, if you'd like to whack out your phones at this beat, at this uh, spot in the message, we, we'd love to encourage you. Because if you want to jot this down just really quickly, this week's for Monday is to actually friend zone yourself. To actually step away from tonight. Walk into the rest of the week and actually friend zone yourself. I want to encourage you to actually write down what type of friend you want to be for others. What type of friend you want to be for others. And here's the thing. Once you can actually identify maybe potentially three things, three things that you look for in a great friend, I want you to put them into action. Because once you can actually see what you want to prioritize in the relationships that you are with, in your life and with the friends that you have in your community. Once you can see what you want to aim to do, you can actually put them into action. This week I want to challenge you. Actually put yourself in a box. Put yourself in a box and see what you want to set out to achieve in your relationships. Friendships, family, in the workplace, even in study. How can you be a friend to somebody else? Write down the type of friend you want to be for others and lead this week knowing what you'll be to others. And if that's something that you're thinking like, okay, it seems like a cool idea, but I need something straight off the bat. I need something quickly for tonight. We're doing something different tonight, and some of you, you know, might be a little bit thrown back by it if you've been at Beyond for a while, but I want to challenge to you a four Sunday. This is something you can put into action tonight, because if you want to experience what community actually looks like, if you want to experience how you can actually start a relationship with someone and connect in with them, We'd love to invite you to actually join and have a meal with us later tonight. Wedges and waffles, it's going to go off and actually step you out of the spot where you are sitting right now in a row and actually put you in an environment where you can encounter people face to face. Where you don't have to look at the back of their head, but you can actually encounter people face to face and connect in with them. And if you have to duck off tonight, we understand that too. We'd actually love to encourage you to grab one of our connection cards on the way out. 
In fact, if you can't join a meal, our connection cards will they'll be briefed at the end of the night, but they're sitting just on our connect desk at the back. If you grab one of those cards and just write down your name, write down your contact, we'd actually love to follow up with you so we can find out the best way to connect you in here at Beyond. Whether that is actually part of the community that comes here on Sunday or whether it is actually just meeting you throughout the week and having a cup of coffee. We'd love to touch base with you so we can just sit down and have a chat. So for the fourth Sunday, if you'd like to join us for a meal tonight or even grab a connection card and just drop it in our cool, funky-looking sparkling box in the back, there's two challenges you can look at doing. Actually, what we are trying to achieve here at Beyond isn't to put you in a spot where you have to feel like all the Jesus stuff has been throwing down your throat, but more so put you in a spot where you can relate to people through a connection. Actually, create a place where you can belong before you have to believe or behave. So what would it actually look like for you to actually have a face-to-face encounter tonight and not just a seated window uh, look into what connection in the community looks like? What it actually looked like to have such a good core group of friends, to actually have a community of people that are so ready to give themselves to you, to have such an extensive safety net of people in your life that are so concerned about you and love you so much that even if you had a chance of slipping back into repeated mistakes or even had a chance of falling back into trying to analyze your problems by yourself, that there are so many in your people in your way that it would actually be a hassle to get back to that problem or to get back to that starting point that caused such an issue in the first place. And if you're a follower of Jesus or not, what if the people were so interested in you that you actually find yourself in a spot to actually invest into others? actually connect with people, even in their struggles, and actually pour into them because you yourself knows what it's like to have others pour into you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to zone in for you just for a second. Because if Jesus does call himself a friend, Jesus did come down and did treat people as a friend. If he did go about loving them at all times, then what does that mean for us? What would it mean for us to not look at the people in our lives that we can bring into a church on a Sunday, but what would it look look like for us to actually zone in and focus on one person, one person in our life that we could connect with, that we could have a relationship with, that we could have a friendship with, and seemingly show them what Jesus' love looks like by meeting up with them throughout the week? What would it look like for us to actually go about treating people in our lives as friends? What would it look like to actually connect people into a community by actually showing them a way that they can have value added to them? Because at the end of the day, if Jesus said uh, what he said about being a friend, if what is true, then obviously there has got to be some connection that we have to him. If he could actually see us in the state that we're in looking uh, around when he was walking on earth, there must have been times where he saw people looking down, where he saw faces with tears, And actually said, I want to buy into that. I want to connect with the people around me. What would it look like for you this week to actually go out and potentially be a friend for somebody else? Potentially the one friend that could actually radically change the course of their life. Other than that, we'd love for you to hang around for a meal tonight. Before we do that, I'd actually love to invite the band back up. And as uh, the band jump back up. We're actually going to enter uh, a time now where we're just going to have some prayer.
And if that's something new for you tonight, that's fine. Uh, We'd love to invite you just to sit where you are and you can be still. But if you'd like to pray with me, we'll go from there. Lord, we just thank you that, that we can actually come into an environment on a Sunday where we can actually hear about your message, Lord, that we can actually hear about your life. God, we are just so thankful that even on a Sunday, once we step away from this building, once we step outside of it into a wider community, that we can actually continue to share your love. God, that the love that you've instilled in us and the love that you've shown other people is something that we can actually share with other people. That even in our our greatest state of feeling weak, Lord, we can actually find a spot and rest knowing that others can share in that weakness, that we are seemingly connected by it. Lord, we just pray as we step into this week, we can continue to be your hands and feet as we go out to pour into others they want to know what it means like to be in a relationship with you. And Lord, we just pray that we continue to have a connection where others can pour into us so we can continually be stepping ahead in a life that is, is led not to a destination, Lord, but a life that is full of a journey, a journey that we get to share with close people in our life, with family, Lord, with work, mates, with study mates, and Lord, with friends as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh,